Hey, boxing fans. This is Jenna Jay, and I'm welcoming you to the 232nd edition of On the Ropes Boxing Radio. And I have a great show in store for you guys this week. I'll be joined by three guests. I'll be having the return of Keith, one-time Thurman, to talk about his most recent appearance in the ring and what he'd like to do coming up in his future. I will also be having on the return of trainer Ronnie Shields, We'll be talking about his stable of fighters in Mayweather versus Pacquiao. But to open up this week's show, seeing as we are coming off of a light heavyweight championship weekend, I actually have a light heavyweight contender debuting on On the Ropes. I'm joined by Sullivan Barrera. How's it going today, Sullivan? Sullivan, ¿cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo estás? Ah, sí, buenos días. Bien, gracias a Dios, todo bien, me siento bien. He says, uh, good morning, thank you uh, for having on. He feels great. Uh, he's currently in a training camp in Big Bear, California. All right, well, Sullivan, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, let's start things off the last time we saw you in the ring. Uh, you had a fight at Foxwoods Casino in Connecticut. You took on former champion Jeff Lacey. Um, you beat him quite easily in four rounds. How do you feel about your performance? Sullivan, te están preguntando que la pelea que tuviste con Jeff Lacey en Foxwood. Trainer. 
que, sa que saben que, que tienes un, un entrenador que entrena a Golovkin, que cómo te sientes estando con un, un, un coach como él. Ah, me siento me siento muy contento creo que que eso que, que esto ha sido una de las de las cosas más importantes que me ha pasado en mi carrera que es eh, compartir eh, el campo con Golovkin y tener como entrenador a, a Evo Sánchez creo que que es uno de los pasos más importantes que he dado en mi carrera y estoy muy contento con eso y muy y muy orgulloso y satisfecho de, de, de estar con ellos en el team con ellos yeah, he feels um he feels great he feels that it's been one of the biggest uh steps that he's made in his career was to uh basically move over to Bear California and train with Abel he feels great sharing the training camp and uh with Gennady uh, Golovkin um they train together They work out together, you know, so they, they help each other on a lot, and, and he thinks uh, that it is one of the biggest steps that he's made in his career, and he's prideful of that. You know, he hopes that it takes him to a title. I know, Sullivan, the light heavyweight division is a stacked division. There's a lot of talent in it, and right now the top champion in many people's eyes is Sergey Kovalov, having the fact that he's got three belts. Um, there's also Adonis Stevenson out there. I'm curious, what do you think of the champions in this weight class? Que, que la división de la heavyweight de semicompleto eh, tiene muchos boxeadores buenos, pero ¿qué piensas de los de, de, de los dos primeros, de Sergi Kovlaf y, y Adam Stevenson? No, pienso que, que, que sí, que son, que, son, que, son buenos, que son buenos boxeadores, que para, o sea, son, son gran, gran peleadores y, y creo que que no sé si 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 llegarán a unificar el título o pero creo que 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 en este momento han demostrado que que tienen que tienen el, el potencial porque son los actuales campeones y creo que que, que nosotros a, a final de este año podemos estar peleando con cualquiera de ellos he says that uh that he, that he respects them both they're great fighters uh He doesn't know if the a unification about to happen between them. Uh, but whatever happens, at, at the end of the day, you know, by the end of the year, uh, he feels ready to, to fight either one of them. And that's all, you said that you're in the midst of training right now. Um, do you have any set fight or any fight that you're eyeing right now uh, with this training come in? Que estás entrenando, que sigues entrenando, que piensas de... ¿Qué rival piensas para tu próxima pelea? ¿Tienes alguien en específico que quisieras pelear? Uh, mi, yo creo que mi parte, mi, mi, mi parte en esto es entrenar, eh, entrenar, enfocarme en el entrenamiento. Mi equipo de trabajo se encarga de, de, de buscarme los oponentes. Yo estoy listo para cualquier oponente. So, Quiero entre, entre los 10 primeros los top 10 y para pa, pa el salto el salto que necesito dar en mi carrera. Pero estoy <laughs> lo mío entrenar y estoy listo. He says that uh, that his part his part of the deal is is to stay training and, and stay ready for when the, when when the call comes or whatever fight comes his way. Um, he leaves it up to his his team his promoter main events and his manager.
manager uh, to handle, you know, their part of the deal. Um, in his opinion, you know, he wants to fight uh, a top 10 opponent. You know, he wants to make a jump. You know, he wants to fight any top contender. He's willing on fighting anyone. Uh, he's willing on risking his record. He's willing on putting it on the line uh, to, to obviously get to where he needs to be, and that's the ultimate goal is to fight for a title. And that's all, and you said that you're ready to fight anybody. I'm sure that you look at the division, though, and you say to yourself, I really just want to fight that guy. That guy I'd love to step into the ring with. Is there any particular fighter out there that you've said that about that, you know, I just want to get into the ring with him? Top 10, pero hay algún boxeador en específico que te gustaría pelear entre los primeros 10? Me gustaría pelear con, 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 con Chilemba, me gustaría, me gustaría pelear con un Gravio Campillo, con cualquiera, con cualquiera de estos que te, creo, creo que están entre, entre, lo, entre los primeros, a uh, el mismo Ian Pascal. Alguien, alguien así que yo pienso que es que, que cualquiera de ellos me va a dar el, el salto grande. Eh, ganándole a, a cualquiera de ellos, voy a, voy a estar ya entre, entre los primeros en, en el mundo. He, he, he says um, he, he would like to fight basic anyone, but, you know, a guy like uh, Isaac Chalampa would be a great fight. Um, a guy like Gabriel Campillo as well. He said even John Pascal, you know, if John Pascal gave him an opportunity, he would love to fight him. Uh, he feels that guys like that will help him uh, get into get into contention to fight, you know, for the big fight. All right, well, Sullivan, I just have a few more questions before I let you off the line. And something I like to do on the show is to get most of the boxers that appear on its opinion about a very big upcoming fight. Mayweather versus Pacquiao set to happen May 2nd. I'm curious, as a boxer, when you look at that fight, what do you think? ¿Qué, ¿Qué piensan sobre, obviamente, en el programa de ella, ella le gusta siempre preguntar a los boxeadores qué piensan de la pelea grande que va a ocurrir en esos días? ¿Qué piensas de la pelea entre Mayweather y Pacquiao? Yo comparto como mucho el criterio de, de que Mayweather, eh, he'll win this fight. Uh, yo pienso que, 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 que con, la, con la defensa que tiene, con la defensa que tiene Mayweather va a hacerle media a, a Pacquia porque es un hombre que tira muchos golpes y cuando y cuando lo hagan fallar mucho se va a agotar y creo que esa es la, la clave de Mayweather pa, para la victoria. He feels that Mayweather wins. He feels that uh, a guy like Pacquiao that stays so busy, but a guy like Mayweather has such great defense. Uh, is only going to set him up for when he actually misses, he's going to make him pay for it. So he, he feels Mayweather wins. All right. Well, let's turn things back to yourself. How soon do you expect to see yourself in the ring? How soon realistically? Eh, ¿Qué pronto piensas que vuelvas a estar en el ring? Uh, nada, estoy esperando que, que mi equipo de trabajo me, me, me diga una, una, una fecha pero yo estoy cumpliendo con mi parte, que es eh, entrenar y estar ready pa, pa, para cuando me digan. He feel, he, he, he's, he's doing his end of the deal again. He's staying ready. He's waiting on uh, our, the team. Uh, I, can, I can more or less answer that answer for you since right. I am his manager. Uh, yeah. We're working with uh, main events, trying to, to get someone in the ring, but it's tough because, you know, 
Uh, we have the issue with the promoters that won't work with certain promoters. We have certain fighters that aren't willing on risking uh, their record or, or, or risking anything to get in the ring. Um, he's doing his part of staying ready uh, for when the phone call comes. But uh, as of right now, uh, the idea is to try to get him to fight within uh, within April and May. Great, great. All right, well, Sullivan, i got one final question for you. You know, you have a lot of fight fans out there that have been getting introduced to you by seeing you on TV, that have seen you work with Abel Sanchez. Is there any message you want to pass along to them? Hay un mensaje que le quieres pasar a sus fans, la gente que te ha visto en televisión, la gente que te ha visto en las redes sociales y en la gente que te ha visto en trabajar con Abel Sánchez, algún mensaje que les quiera mandar. No, quiero, quiero darle, quiero darle la gracia a, a toda la gente que me, que me sigue y me apoya de todo corazón y, y, que, y que estén pendientes que, que, que Sullivan, que Sullivan, este, este es el gran año de Sullivan y, y siempre, y siempre voy a dar lo mejor para que, para que ellos se sientan contentos. Uh, Jenna, first of all, he wants to thank you for, for having him uh, on the show. Um, he wants to uh, let his fans know to stay tuned that, that this is a big year for Sullivan Barrera. Uh, this is his year where he will be able to continue showing his uh, talents to the world, and um, hopefully it happens soon. All right, all right. Well, Sullivan, it's been a great pleasure having you debut on the ropes. I thank you for your time, and I also thank you, uh, Luis, for translating it. It was a pleasure having you uh, both come on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, that was Sullivan Brer discussing his future at 175 pounds. And, uh, you know, it was a pleasure speaking with him and getting his thoughts on the weight class because right now he's, you know, in a weight class that's considered one of the most exciting in boxing today. I mean, there's so many big matchups that can be made. There's so many great fights. There's so many upcoming uh, fighters that you can see that could be a future threat in the division. And he's another one of them. You know, the one thing that people can hold against him is his age. But, you know, he's like a lot of those Cuban fighters of a great amateur background. They age well. And, um, you know, I think so far from what I've seen his career, they're moving him along as fast as they possibly can. But, you know, he's struggling a little bit to get those big-name opponents, you know, to get those guys willing to face him in the ring. I mean, he's currently rated in three of the belt organizations, three of the four. So, you know, he's making the right steps, but unfortunately he's just not getting the, you know, the fighters, the name value fighters that he wants to. I mean, his last fight, he got Jeff Lacey. You know, he was a name around the super middleweight division around 10 years earlier. Um, the fighter that he is now is nowhere near the fighter that he used to be. But even with that, it still was an impressive victory and it was an impressive stoppage, the way that he handled it. So, you know, watching Sullivan Barrera and just watching the way that he's gone about his fights, you know, he's one of those guys that all you can really say that he needs to do is just keep doing what he's doing, keep staying active, keep fighting, and hopefully he'll get one of those eliminator opportunities, and then, you know, he'll be able to show his talents at the top of the division. But, um, again, it was a pleasure speaking with him, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how his boxing career progresses. All right, well, seeing as we just talked for light heavyweight, we are coming off of a light heavyweight championship fight weekend as Adonis Stevenson, the light heavyweight champion of the world and the WBC belt holder, recently returned, and this time it was on CBS, on network television, the first time that CBS has hosted a boxing event in well over 15 years. The event itself 
you know, there wasn't really any shocks in terms of the results. Most people expected Adonis Stevenson to win against Saki Obika. He didn't have much trouble at all. Um, the only thing I could really see that was challenging was the scorecards because scorecards actually gave Saki Obika five rounds, and I just I can't see how you can find five rounds for Saki Obika, but putting that all aside, uh, Donna Stevenson did perform well. He did knock down Saki Obika uh, one time legitimately, and, uh, you know, overall it was a, a very thorough performance. You know, he did what he had to do, the opponent that he had. Nobody had knocked out Saki Obika before, but, you know, he won the fight in dominating fashion. Uh, so it was a very good performance by Donna Stevenson, and obviously with that win, we all know what we want to see. We want to see him versus Sergey Kovalov for the undisputed light heavyweight championship of the world. To see all four of the belts plus the ring magazine belts on the line to see who is the best in the division. A lot of people believe that Sergey Kovalov is the best because of the way that he's performed, because of the caliber of fighters that he's been fighting, because Adonis Stevenson has avoided him. Well, right now, Sergey Kovalov is the mandatory for Adonis Stevenson. And because of that, we are more likely to see that fight than ever. Besides all the network complications, besides, you know, Al Heyman being in one corner and not working with certain promoters, right now it's a mandate. And if Adonis Stevenson wants to keep his WBC belt, he has to fight Sergey Kovalov. So it's a very interesting time for the light heavyweight division because we can see something that is a very rare feat. We never usually see this in today's boxing where you can have all four belts on the line to really get a true undisputed champion. You know, it's something that hasn't happened since Bernard Hawkins did it, and it's something that a lot of people didn't believe we'd get to see again just because the way boxing is set up with mandatories, with there being, you know, interim belts and regular WBA belts, you never expected two fighters would be in position for that. But these two fighters are, and besides Mayweather versus Pacquiao, which is happening in May, this could be the second biggest fight that can be made in all of boxing. I mean, on a grand scale, it's not going to be as big in the United States. But internationally, uh, the name Stevenson Kovalov, they gained a lot of steam the last two years. So if these two can get it on, it's going to be great for the sport. It's another great sign for the sport that, you know, the best are facing the best. And that's what we want to see as boxing fans. We want to see the best face the best. And we have that opportunity now that Adonis Stevenson has got through his latest title defense. Uh, so hopefully we see that happen sometime later in the fall, sometime this year, because, you know, it could do nothing but good for the sport. If we don't see it, you know, it's bad for the division. And, you know, if we don't see it here, we're not going to see it anywhere in terms of getting all the belts unified. But uh, I'm very hopeful now that we've seen both these guys recently return in the ring and, and both these guys comment on the fight possibly happening, that we actually will see it here in 2015. All right, now on the undercard of Stevenson versus Bika, there was another interesting light heavyweight fight, and it's another fight that shows the depth of the light heavyweight division because there was a fighter with a 7-0 record who was taking on Gabriel Campillo. This fighter was Otter Betterviv, and this fighter here has been tearing up the light heavyweight division. He's been taking on uh, very tough contenders. You know, he's a guy that's been really showing his talent and the level that he is, and he did the same thing here because he dominated Gabriel Campillo. Um, it was not competitive in the slightest. Campillo has got a very tough defensive style. It wasn't hard for Better Beeb to crack it, and uh, it was a complete dominating performance. And he's a guy that's showing himself to be one of the biggest threats 
in the light heavyweight division, and not just the threat to, you know, upcoming contenders, but to the champions themselves. I mean, you know, just watching this guy, the power that he brings in the ring, every shot that he hits you with, it appears that it hurts you. I mean, he's a guy that I can honestly see competing right now with Donna Stevenson or Sergey Kovalov. I mean, he has that type of amateur background. He has that type of pedigree. And from what he's done early in his career, taking on the level of fighters that he has, I mean, he's not more than one or two fights away from competing for a heavyweight title. And honestly, I think right now he could compete. You know, it's whether or not they want to give him the opportunity. And I think that's a particular fight that these guys might avoid for a little while. You know, because better be he doesn't have that name or the drawing power. But still, I mean, as far as challenges goes, this guy has really shown himself to be one of the toughest light heavyweights in the division, as I mentioned many times, that is very, very stacked. And uh, he's a guy I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of this coming year because each and every single time he goes out, he takes care of business. He does it in four rounds or less. And with boxing the way it is today, people not liking to see decisions, this is the type of fighter that fans can get to like to watch, you know, if he gets more opportunities on network TV and after his last fight. I'm sure that's something that's going to be happening this year. All right, well, with that, I'm going to move things now to my second guest of this week's show, and he's a returning one, now making his sixth appearance to On the Ropes Boxing Radio. I am joined once again by trainer Ronnie Shields. How's things going today, Ronnie? Everything's going great. Great. Well, it's good to have you once again back on the show, Ronnie. And I think I want to start things off with last weekend's activities. Uh, you recently took the Charlo brothers into the ring. Uh, Jamel Charlo was in the main event against Vanis Matarosian. Uh, how do you evaluate his performance? Well, I, g- I gave him like a B plus. Um, I think we could have did a lot better with Vanis. You know, Vanis a really good fighter. You know, an awkward fighter that, you know, he he's kind of hard to fight in certain instances. But I felt that uh, Jamel could have fought a lot better if he would have. Uh, but I went out there a little bit more. But, you know, you learn know, from experience, but I felt to get enough to win. I had it six rounds of four, which I thought was way too close. But, hey, you know, you take the win as it comes. I know, Ronnie, you were very vocal in between rounds with Jamel. What things was he not doing in the ring that you weren't happy with? Well, you know, the thing about it is, you know, when I train a guy to fight a certain way, that's the way I expect for him to fight in the fight. You know, I don't expect him to fight any different. If you train for eight weeks one way and then you get in the ring and fight a different way, then, you know, that, was the, that wasn't the game plan. You know, finally, after the sixth round, he picked it up to the point to where, you know, I was somewhat satisfied, but I, I wasn't all the way satisfied. I know what kind of fighter Junior Charlo is. He's a very good fighter who... You know, he possesses a lot of talent, and I wanted him to express that in the ring. But, you know, he fought very tentative to me. So did Vaughn. Vaughn fought very tentative also, you know. And I wanted Jamel to really go after him and take it to him a lot more than he did. You know, I just didn't want him to score points and, you know, to score with good clean shots, and then that's it. You know, I thought I felt it should have been a lot better. You know, he should have did a lot more, but he didn't. And that's, you know, that that's, that's what really irritated me to the point to where, you know, I had to really use strong words that he really understood. You know, that's that's the only thing that you understand, basically, when, you know, you use strong words. And 
I didn't want to see him blow a fight that I know he was supposed to win. Now, Ronnie, Jamel's been in line for title shot for a while. After this last performance, do you think he's fully ready to take that title shot? Well, you know, I mean, I just have to sit back and go back and evaluate and see what I see. You know, I haven't ever had a chance to go back and, and look at it at the fight again. But I will, and, and I, you know, I take it from there. You know, it's all about, you know, who it is and what I feel we should do. So, you know, after I go back and evaluate it, then I'll see what, what the next step should be. All right, now on the same card, his brother Jamal Charlo fought. Uh, he took on Michael Finley, and he won every single round. Um, how do you feel about the way he fought? I thought he fought a great fight. You know, I, I know that kid, Michael Finney, I've seen him a few times. This kid is a very tough kid. He's a hard kid to knock out. But at the same time, I, I think his corner let him take so much punishment that was unnecessary. You know, Jamal hit him with everything but the kitchen sink, you know, as they say in boxing. And, you know, the kid, he took it, but, you know, he was hurt really bad. And I felt sorry for the kid that his corner didn't think enough of him to say, you know what, kid, you know, you lost every round. You know, you're not strong enough to knock him out. So we're going to stop the fight. I thought the fight should have been stopped after like the seventh round. But they let it go. They let the kid take too much punishment. The doctor was in a corner from the seventh round on. And, you know, I don't know what the doctor was saying to them, but, you know, I'm sure he was telling them they might want to think about, you know, pulling the plug on it because, he was getting hit too much with everything. But Jamal fought a, a smart tactical fight, which is what we trained for. You know, I mean, you know, we wanted to get some rounds. You know, I wasn't really interested in Jamal knocking him out. But at the same time, he was hurting the kids so bad that I thought the corner would step up and stop it, and they just didn't. So, so you know, that's on them. You know, they don't care about their fighter. Then there's nothing I can do. But, you know, Michael Finn is a young, young fighter. He's a good fighter. And I just think that he fought two guys back-to-back that he should have never been in the ring with. Now you mentioned that he should have had a title shot. He was supposed to fight initially uh, Carlos Molina. Um, do you think he'll get a title shot in his next fight? Well, I mean, that's the plan. The plan, you know, with a mandatory, he has a canine bondage. And the mandatory is up in June, so uh, either K-9 going to uh, have to vacate or he's going to have to fight. All right, well, Ronnie, I want to talk about one of your other fighters that you're known for training, that being Aris Londi Laura. Uh, can you let the fans know what's the latest of him? Well, Aris uh, Londi is going to fight at the end of May. We don't have him. Uh, we're looking at May 29th right now. We don't have an exact location just as of yet. And also, we don't have an opponent as of yet, but, but the plan right now is May 29th. All right. Oh, Ronnie, um, I want to talk about the current boxing scene a little bit, and you did mention May. Obviously, there's a very big fight that's going to happen on May 2nd, Mayweather versus Pacquiao. Were you surprised that this fight finally came together? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, everybody knew this fight had to happen. I thought it would happen a few years ago, but it obviously it didn't, but... You know, I think both guys really wanted it. And I think but when you're looking at at big names in this sport, you you know, people just think it's 
the fighters, if the fighters just say yes, that it's, it's just a go. But, it, you know, it takes much more than that to put on a, an event like, like, like May 2nd. And I think people have to understand that, you know, both guys have contracts with different networks, and there's so much that has to go into a fight that, you know, the networks have to agree on every single thing. And, you know, and it has nothing to do with, with the fighters. So I just think that both guys have to, you know, both guys wanted it and been wanting it, but at the same time they couldn't get it because the networks just couldn't agree on certain things. But now that that, that is happening, I think uh, I, I think we'll see more fighters from different networks fighting each other now because I think now this fight is paving the way for it. Just as when Lennox Lewis fought Mike Tyson, I think that really paved the way for this fight. With all your years of training, your experience with fighters, you look at both of them, Mayweather Pacquiao, who do you give the edge to right now? Who do you give the edge to in that fight? Well, I get the edge, I get the edge to Floyd Mayweather. And, but for the simple reason that Floyd has never lost before. You know, Floyd knows how to win. He knows how to pull out victories. Pacquiao, he knows how to lose. But Floyd is a very intelligent fighter. And when you look at him, he figures you out very quickly. And once he does that, you know, he's a very difficult guy to fight. You know, it's not easy fighting Floyd Mayweather, you know. What, 47, 48 have tried, 48 have lost. And Manny Pacquiao, why he's such a good fighter, you know, I really think it's going to be a good close fight. You know, I don't, I don't think one guy is going to dominate the other guy for 12 rounds. I, you know, because Manny is such a good fighter. But I just feel the edge is going to be the floor because Floyd, he knows how to pull out victories. And Manny, you know, Manny has tried in a lot of fights, but, you know, a lot of fights he's lost. So, and for him to be at the top of that caliber, and believe it or not, Floyd Mayweather is the bigger guy in the fight. And, you know, and, you know, that's just how small Manny is. Manny's not a big fighter. He's a small fighter. So, but I think Manny has more power, you know, in his punches than Floyd because of Floyd's hands. Everyone in boxing knows Floyd has bad hands. But at the same time, you know, when he hits you, you know, he can sting you, but he knows how to put combinations together that really, you know, takes effect. And once Floyd gets the judges to really watching him land solid punches, then, you know, I just think that Manny is not going to be able to overcome it. You know, Manny has one style. He goes one way, and he doesn't know how to stay back and wait and be have patience. Floyd is a very patient fighter, and Floyd is going to wait him out. And if Manny decides to fight that way, it's going to be a very boring fight. But at the same time, I don't think Manny's going to fight that way. He's, he may come out and try to be on the outside and counter Floyd, but you can't counter the best counter puncher in boxing, and that's Floyd Mayweather. All right, do you think there's any chance at all that we see a knockout in this fight, that either one of these guys can knock out the other? No, I don't think so. I think Floyd's defense is too good, and I think many. And then I don't, I don't believe I don't believe Floyd punches hard enough because of his hands to knock many out. I, th- I think the fight can get stopped maybe on a cut, but other than that, I don't see this fight being a, 
than with anybody getting knocked out. I know. One week later, there's a fight between Canelo Alvarez and James Kirkland. Obviously, you're very familiar with Canelo Alvarez. Is he in any danger at all in that fight? Yes, he is. He's in a lot of danger in that fight. You know, he's fighting a puncher. And James Kirkland is no slouch, no matter who he fights. James Kirkland is going to be in the fight. And I think, you know, here's, here's the thing I think that's going to hurt James Kirkland, that he doesn't have Ann Wolf in the corner. Ann Wolf knows how to motivate him. She knows what's good for him and what's bad for him. But she knows how to get him in shape. She knows what, what, what gets him going. And he's so used to hearing that voice in the corner, and now he's not going to hear that. You know, other guys may be afraid to talk to James a certain way, and Ann Wolf is not. She's not afraid to talk to him in any way because that's who she is, and that's the voice he's been hearing for years after years. When he made a change before and he got knocked out by a soft guy from Japan, he went immediately went back to Ann Wolf. So, and I'm not sure Ann would even take him back this time because, you know, because knowing Ann, you know, and, and I know her very well. Um, she don't she, she she don't take no no mess, and and that's the thing that James needs. He needs a person that's very hard, and that that don't take any of his mess. But you know, I don't know who's training James right now, but whoever it is, if they're not hard on him, then he's going to run the camp himself. And of course, that's not good when you have a fighter trying to run a camp and tell you what he's going to do. That don't that that doesn't do him any good. But beyond all of that, James Kirkland is still a good fighter. He's a fighter who can punch with both hands, and I really think he's going to give Canelo a lot of problems. The problem that I know that James is going to have is losing the weight. Canelo has the same problem of losing the weight, but at the same time, I know Kirkland has a lot of stamina, and Canelo doesn't. So if Kirkland can stand up to Canelo's punches early, Kirkland's going to be in the fight late. And I think the later the fight goes, it's going to be better for James Kirkland. All right, great. great. Well, Ronnie, I just have a couple more questions before I, I let you off the line. When you look at boxing today, in your honest opinion, what do you think is the most exciting division? Where do you think we get the most excitement? Oh, man. I mean, I think, I think right now the two hottest divisions is welterweight and junior middleweight. I think that's a two out of divisions right now because you have so many good fighters in both weight classes. And finally, the best guys are starting to fight each other. So, and you can't beat that, you know. And while, you know, I love the whole sport of boxing, I just think that right now the two out of divisions are Walter Wade and Junior Middleweight. All right, Ronnie, can you tell the fans a little bit about the stable of fighters that you're working with? Obviously, they know the big three guys, can you let them know some of the uh, other fighters that you're working with and some of the young and up-and-comers? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right now, I just got a fighter in from Poland. He's a heavyweight. He's number 10 in the world, and Arthur Spielka from Poland. Uh, he's just been here a few days now. Uh, he's fighting on April the 24th in Chicago. Possibly, possibly he'll be on television. He's going to be a swing bout on television. So then I got Samaje Thomas. He's from Chicago, Illinois. He's uh, 5-0 and with four knockouts. Uh, a kid named Ricky Edwards from uh, Patterson, New Jersey. 
he's five and zero with two knockouts. A kid named Darvin Price, who's six and zero with with three knockouts. A kid named Cowboy Ryan Carl, he's he's six and zero with five KOs. And we still have a, a few more fighters uh, that you know everybody know, uh, like Evan Labamba Rodriguez. Evan's like twenty six, twenty seven and one. Uh, he'll, he'll be fighting on uh, on May 23rd in Boston, and of course we got the Charlotte brothers, we got Lara, so you know, so the stable is growing and all the fighters are doing great. Awesome. All right, well, Ronnie, in closing, I want to get your view on something that's been going on in the sport in terms of getting you know boxing out to more fans. That's boxing returning to network TV this weekend. It's going to be on CBS. Uh, we've already seen NBC cards. How good do you think it is for the sport that, you know, boxing is now returning to networks where everyone can watch it? Well, you know, I, I, say, I, I say thanks thanks to Al Heyman because Al Heyman is the one who's making it happen. You know, he's, he's bringing, uh, bringing boxing back to network television, you know, with the PBC series. And the series is going great so far. I think the fans are really, really enjoying this because now they don't have to come out of their pocket to really pay to see good fights. And he's putting the best against the best. And, you know, you can't be that in the sport of boxing. And now, you know, if you notice, everybody else is trying to do the same thing. You know, Bob Arum and Top Rank, they just signed a deal with True TV. They already set a date for their first, you know, uh, boxing event to be on, on national television. And I think it's great, you know, and... You know, in order to stay in this business, you, you either have to follow the lead or you have to get out. And that's, you know, that's the way it is. But what they're doing right now, bringing it to free, free television, is, just, you know, boxing is a big, huge, it's a, it's a huge buzz about boxing again. And this is what the fans wanted. This is what they want to see. And now they get to see every fighter, you know, that, that all they've been doing is reading about and hearing about. Now they get to see them for themselves, and I really think it's going to it's going to create a bigger viewership for boxing, and now everybody's going to be recognized, and, and I think that's what we've been lacking for a very long time, and the, the format is changing, and I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, it's definitely been uh, great to see, great to see boxing get back out there. But um, Ronnie, thank you so much for uh, joining me today for an interview. I, I thank you for your time, and I I wish you all the best going forward with your fighters. Thank you very much. You have a great day. All right, that was Ronnie Shields talking about his stable of fighters in the upcoming Mayweather versus Pacquiao fight. Um, you know, this is the sixth time I've had Ronnie on, and he's always one of those guys I love to get on because he definitely breaks down each one of his fighters in great detail and talks honestly about them. If he sees flaws or sees things that he can do better in the performance, he doesn't hide it or pull punches and say the guy did amazing when the guy didn't. Um, you know, he sees Jermel Charlo, and he sees that that fighter can improve, that he can be better than he showed in his last fight against Venice Monterosian and that he expects more of them. So uh, definitely great to hear that. It's very refreshing. And, and also, it's always great to hear Ronnie's take on the boxing scene and the boxing world. I mean, his breakdowns of both Mayweather versus Pacquiao and Canelo versus 
Kirkland, uh, you know, both very detailed. And, you know, he's one of those guys very knowledgeable. He's gotten a lot of attention over the years for what he's done with his fighters. And uh, he's still got a great stable, got a bunch of good guys that look like they could become champions. So I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for Ronnie Shields' fighters. And it was a pleasure again having him come on on the ropes. All right, well, with that, let's move things to a segment of my show the fans know as Ask Jenna. That's where you guys, the boxing fans, get to ask me the questions. You can do this either by emailing me at ontheropesboxingradio at gmail.com, mentioning me on Twitter, Jenna on the Ropes, or posting your questions in our Facebook group, which is now 10,300-plus members strong, continuously growing. So, guys, if you want to get your questions on the show, that is how you can do it. I'm going to take my first question. This one comes from Alex Marshall. He says, Jenna, Amir Khan recently announced that he'll be facing Chris Algieri at the end of May. What do you think of that fight, and do you think he is ducking Kel Brook? All right, well, this is a very interesting question, Alex, because obviously the future of Amir Khan has been a topic of debate for a while. You know, there are some rumors that he might get the fight with Floyd Mayweather Jr. He was angling for it for well over a year. didn't happen. So his next fight, you know, people are saying, well, why not fight Kel Brook? Kel Brook is coming off of a win over JoJo Danny. looked very impressive in it. He'd be a huge fight over in the U.K. Well, for whatever reason, Amir Khan decided to take a different path, and that path happens to be with Chris Algieri, the former 140-pound champion. You know, I don't think it's the, the greatest fight in the world. I think Amir Khan is a far more skilled fighter than Chris Algieri. Algeri is not a natural welterweight, neither is Amir Khan, but still, you would think Amir Khan, if he truly wants to make his name in the welterweight division, would continuously fight top guys at welterweight, fighting Chris Algeri, who's made his career marks at 140 pounds, and his only fight above that was a catchweight fight against Manny Pacquiao, really doesn't say a lot. And also the fact that Chris Algieri was completely dominated, losing every single round and getting knocked down six times by Manny Pacquiao doesn't say that Amir Khan is in for the biggest challenge in the world. So my thoughts on that fight is, is that, well, Amir Khan's getting back out there. He's being active, and it's a name of some note, only because Chris Algieri lost to Pacquiao. But really, as a challenge, it's not a challenge. It's not going to be a challenge for him. I don't believe Chris Algieri is going to be any threat. I don't think Chris Algieri can possibly knock out Amir Khan. So, you know, it's nothing that's really going to thrill boxing fans. Um, but as far as Amir Khan possibly ducking, Kel Brook, I can't say another fighter is ducking another fighter because it takes a lot for anyone to get out there, go in the ring, risk their life, and, you know, and, and make a fight. Uh, at the same time, when everything in the world says this fight is a fight that should be made and then that fighter goes in another direction, that says at the very least that he is putting off a challenge with Kel Brook. Not straight out ducking, but just putting off a fight. Kel Brook has certainly earned himself a shot at a big name. I mean, he's a champion right now. He holds the IBF welterweight title, the only belt that Mayweather and Pacquiao do not hold. So, you know, he's definitely a high enough class of fighter to fight Amir Khan. Amir Khan is choosing an easier route, and that being of Chris Algieri. Me, personally, I think it would be a, a terrific fight if Khan and Brooke actually got into the ring of each other. I mean, I think it would be a fantastic promotion. Um, Kel Brook has been saying the name of Amir Khan forever, and you know, saying it in regards to that, Amir Khan's got no chin, Amir Khan's afraid, Amir Khan knows he's going to get knocked out. One thing is sure when you talk about Amir Khan, there's no fighter with a bigger heart and a guy that's willing to take any challenge out there. Um, as far as it goes with Kel Brook, I think it's something deeper than that, almost like when Ricky Hatton avoided Junior Witter for all those years until Junior Witter finally lost the title belt. 
It's just one of those types of situations where he doesn't like something about Kell Brook and he doesn't want to avoid him because he's afraid of him. He wants to avoid him because he doesn't want that guy to get a big money fight or to make his name off of your name. So, you know, as far as it goes between those two fighters, I hope that they do fight each other one day, hopefully later this year, and I hope that this upcoming Chris Algieri fight that Amir Khan has is just really a stepping stone to that. I hope that's what it is. If it's not, and it's a case of him just not wanting to fight Kell Brook, then, you know, if it goes a couple more fights, then we can say straight out that Amir Khan is ducking Kell Brook. All right, I'm going out to my next question. This one comes from Joe Martin. He says, Chris Algieri is now going to be trained by John David Jackson. Do you think this is a good move for Chris Algieri? Uh, well, to answer your question, Joe, yes, I think that is a good move. John David Jackson is a great uh, trainer. He's done a great job with a lot of the fighters that he's worked with. Um, anyone who's seen his work in the past was Nate Campbell, taking him to a lightweight title. The work that he's done with Sergey Kovalov, bringing him to the light heavyweight championship of the world. I mean, John David Jackson is one of the best coaches out there. That said, I don't think it's going to help Chris Algieri a ton against Amir Khan, but he's certainly going to make Chris Algieri a lot better than he looked against Manny Pacquiao. I mean, you can't really do too much of a worse of a job as Tim Lane did. I mean, you know, we waited. We waited all those rounds. We waited for the ninth round for Chris Algieri to be let out of the cage. And when he was finally out of the cage, he got dropped on his ass. So, you know, I think having a guy that has a more realistic game plan, a guy that can get the best out of you and know what your strengths truly are, and a guy like John David Jackson is a good move. It can do nothing but good for Chris Algieri. Do I think it will help him at the end of the day against Amir Khan and help his chances to legitimately pull off victory? No. But at the end of the day, it can at least make him a little bit more competitive than he would be if he had kept his previous trainer. I'm going to go now to my next question. This one comes from Winston McPherson. He says that Anthony Joshua recently came back to the ring and stopped journeyman Jason Gavin. If Joshua was thrown into the mix of top heavyweights now, how do you think he would do? All right, well, in all honesty, as good as Anthony Joshua is and as skilled as I believe he is and, and the fact even though I think he could be a future champion, I don't think he's in any way, shape, or form ready to face any of the top heavyweights right now, no one in the top five. I mean, you have to build to that, and the fighter that he's facing does not prepare him for that whatsoever. Um, he's a guy that definitely has the skill set, definitely has physical attributes to compete with a Klitschko somewhere down the line when he gains you know, that type of experience. But, you know, fighting the guys that he's been facing on the domestic level, the Michael Sprott's of the world, or the Jason Gavern's, aren't going to really get you prepared to face the top-level guys in the heavyweight division. I mean, Anthony Joshua is only 25 years old. He's got time. He's got time to, to develop himself. Um, his next fight will be on May 30th against Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson's kind of like a trial horse for a lot of these guys over in the U.K. Uh, Tyson Fury's passed the test. Derek Chisora's passed that test. So, you know, that's a good fight for him. It's a good step forward. It's a guy that's not, you know, towards the end of his career, though it's a guy that's not going to actually have any sort of offensive attack towards him. But it's a, you know, it's a defensive puzzle that he has to crack, and if he can knock out Kevin Johnson, that says something. That says something about Anthony Joshua. That said, I think that he needs to continuously keep making these steps up. After Kevin Johnson, the fighter I would like to see him in with is someone like Tony Thompson. Tony Thompson has already tried one of the upcoming UK heavyweights in David Price, and he beat him twice. 
So that would be a great fight for Anthony Joshua. If Joshua can get by Johnson and take on Thompson and he can pass that test facing Tony Thompson, then um, I believe that he can get himself, you know, thinking about facing those top five guys and then talk about competing, you know, with one of the heavyweight champions. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that right now say Anthony Joshua's ready for Deontay Wilder right now. Well, he's not. I mean, he needs to build up more experience and he needs to see himself in there with bigger tests before he can take on a challenge like that or even think about a Klitschko. But right now, it's good that he's got back in the ring. It's good to see him healthy, and I look forward to seeing him return on May 30th. Fine, I'm going up to my next question. This one comes from John Black. He says, where does Gary Russell Jr. go next after his recent impressive TKO4 over Johnny Gonzalez? All right, well, John, you know, this is interesting because a lot of people wrote Gary Russell Jr. off after his loss over Vasil Lomachenko, saying that, you know, he was a guy that could never live up to his potential. He was a guy that had a lot of skills but blew it fighting these lower class of fighters, that he's a guy that would fail mentally on the top level of opponents. Well, this shows you that Gary Russell Jr. has more than what he showed against Vasil Lomachenko. I mean, this Gary Russell Jr. looked different. He looked more active. He looked powerful. And he went out there, and he knocked out Johnny Gonzalez. No one really expected that. No one expected him to take out Gonzalez in that way. I mean, Gary Russell Jr. is not known as a knockout guy. He's known as a slick boxer. He's a guy that would, you know, try to outpoint you over the rounds. Well, this fight here, he looked like he had something to prove, and he wanted to show people what he was made of, and he did it. So as far as his future goes, his future is looking very bright, and the guy that I could see him in, in the ring with in the near future is actually a rematch with Vasil Lomachenko because, you know, Lomachenko has a belt now. There's going to be some call to have a rematch there. The first fight wasn't exciting. It wasn't a great fight. But if Gary Russell Jr. can look like he did recently against Lomachenko, then, you know, that could be a very competitive fight, and it could be even a fight that Gary Russell Jr. could come away with a victory. That's a good step for him. It's a good chance to rewrite that losing page in his boxing resume. And, uh, you know, it's something mentally that he can probably get over that can really push him towards superstardom. Uh, besides that fight, there are other interesting fights that could happen. Um, Jesus Cuellar is a, a very good guy. He holds the regular WBA belt. I think it would be a very tough challenge for Russell Jr. Um, besides that, I mean, there's guys like the Axeman, Nicholas Walters, um, the division's really stacked. I mean, featherweight's a very stacked division. So, you know, there's a lot of directions for Gary Russell Jr. to go. Um, big question is, is what's going to happen next to him if they're going to put an easy defense in front of him. But me personally, I honestly like to see him go right back in there with Vasil Lomachenko and see if he can uh, change that result. I'm going to go now to my next question. This one comes from Paul Murray. He says, Andre Ward is rumored to have a fight lined up for June 20th in Oakland. Do you expect Ward to perform at the same level, being that he's been very inactive in past years? Well, to answer this, Paul, honestly, Andre Ward is only 31 years old. I don't think that he's going to perform in such a dramatically different way that it would be noticeable at all. Um, you know, obviously he's going to have some ring rust. He hasn't been in the ring um, for a while, not since his fight against Edwin Rodriguez in November 2013. I mean, it's a, it's a long time. He's had over a year and a half outside the ring. Uh, but still, I mean, he's a guy that's very smart, prepares himself to the best of his ability, so I would expect him to come in near and around the shape that he was previous and uh, to perform well against whoever they put him in the ring with. The big question is who? I mean, they're talking about, you know, guys that are going to be tune-up type fights, you know, for his next two fights before they step him up against someone, you know, of a high level. I mean, that's not what we want to see. I mean, Andre Ward is the champion of the division, whether or not he's got his ring belt or not. 
it doesn't really matter. He's regarded as the best super middleweight in the world. You want to see him face the best. So we're not going to see that right out of the gate. I mean, they're talking about possibly George Groves uh, for Andre Ward. I think that would be a good fight. It's a, a guy that's a tough, rugged contender, a guy that gave Carl Swatch fits in parts of two fights. So, you know, that would be a good move for Andre Ward. And if he does that, that's fine. You know, you need to pick off a little bit of rust, and that is a legitimate title fight. I don't think it's a big threat to him, but still it's a fight that you can at least say is legitimate and it moves him forward to the next challenge. And honestly, at this point for Andre Ward, he really has to think about facing someone like a Gennady Golovkin, uh, you know, get him to come up in weight, or himself think about going up to light heavyweight to challenge some of the fighters up in that weight class. Think about, you know, a Sergei Kovlov, because right now Andre Ward's name is no longer relevant like it used to be because a lot of people have forgotten about him. I mean, if he wasn't occasionally doing some broadcasts on HBO, people wouldn't even know him at all because he's in that out of the spotlight. So the best thing for Andre Ward to do right now at this point is just get back in the ring. It doesn't matter who you're in the ring with, just get back. Get back to being an active fighter, then talk about the big fights, and uh, hopefully we see that soon. I'm going out to my next question. This one comes from David Keyes. Because a lot has been made of Floyd Mayweather Jr. working with Alex Ariza. Do you think Floyd actually will gain anything from working with Ariza that will help him against Pacquiao? All right, well, it depends what you mean by helping him, David. If you mean helping him in terms of preparation physically, honestly, I don't think Alex Ariza is going to add too much difference than what Floyd Mayweather Jr. already does. He's one of the most best-conditioned athletes that we've seen. He trains harder than anybody out there in the sport, and that's the reason why he's the best. That's the reason why he's 47-0. and 0. In terms of physically, a significant difference? No, I don't see that happening. But mentally, Alex Ariza adds a lot that could help him against Manny Pacquiao. Nobody was closer to Pacquiao than Alex Ariza, the strength and conditioning coach for Pacquiao for a number of years. He saw Manny Pacquiao go to the very top of the pound-for-pound list, saw him knock out all those fighters, saw him knock out De La Hoya, saw him knock out Ricky Hatton, saw him knock out Coda, saw him face Antonio Margarito. He helped build Pacquiao up to that fighter. He knows all the inside things about Pacquiao and his preparation, what he does in training, and what they look to do in fights. I mean, you can't get a better angle than that. To have that mental edge going into a fight, knowing you have somebody that knows your opponent better than anybody, that's great. That's great to have. So physically, I don't see Alex Reason adding a lot to Floyd Mayweather Jr., but mentally, I think Floyd is more confident than ever that he can defeat Pacquiao, being the fact that he has a visa, he knows Manny Pacquiao better than a lot of other fighters have, having that inside track. All right, I'm going now to my final question of this week's Ask Jenna segment, and this one comes from Ben Radley. He says, Jenna, did you see the second installment of Big Knockout Boxing? And if so, what were your thoughts on the whole event, especially the main event that ended in a draw? Right, well, for the fans that aren't familiar with it, Big Knockout Boxing had its second installment. Uh, this particular event featured Gabriel Rosado versus Curtis Stevens for their middleweight title. Big Knockout Boxing is built around the theme that there will be more action and more knockouts because they are in a smaller ring area that is a circle and that these fighters have no choice but to slug it out, you know, to uh, knock each other out in the fights. Well, being the fact this is the second event, and I had seen the first one, which was Rosado versus Vera, that produced the knockout, I have a lot of things to say about it. Um, first off, the actual fight result. Um, 
you know, honestly, I mean, you could score the draw. I mean, Rosado didn't really impress that much. I personally scored it five rounds to two, but also we did see Gabriel Rosado hit the floor, so you have to take a point away there. And if you give one more round to Curtis Stevens, you can see it actually being a draw. But the whole event itself, honestly, was a little bit disappointing to me. Their whole format is built around the fact that you're going to see more knockouts. Well, in a fight card of five, we only saw one fight ended knockout, and that was the opening bout with two female fighters. So it's not producing the big knockouts. And here are a few reasons why. Because the fight circle, or the pit as they call it, is so small, a lot of the fighters are actually scared to step out of the pit because they actually get a knockdown called against them for stepping out of it. So you see them actually staying very close together, not having much space. And because they don't have much space, they are smothering their action and smothering their punches. A lot of these guys aren't able to set up their shots very well, and they're not able to put the same leverage that they would normally do if they were in a normal boxing ring. Also, you lose the aspect of a fighter cornering another fighter, cornering him in a ring. There is no ring ropes. So you can't catch a fighter and put significant damage on him. Another aspect, too, is that the rounds are short. They're only two minutes apiece. And being that the fact that this championship fight between Rosado and Stevens was only seven rounds, it was actually the equivalent of a five-round fight with more breaks. Uh, because it was only two minutes around, and when you add it all together, it actually becomes one minute shy of a five-round fight. So, you know, the fighters don't take as much damage during the rounds to produce a knockout. So there's a lot of things fundamentally that are wrong with big knockout boxing. Me personally, as a fight fan, I like it because I like to see, you know, I like to see guys that are well-matched and, and guys that are put into the ring of each other, and I like boxing in general, and it's another form of boxing. But what they're trying to achieve, they've been unable to achieve and that is to produce knockouts with most of their fights. It's just not going to happen with their current format. You know, it's good to have a better angle of these fighters fighting each other, but, you know, without having the ring ropes, without having a little bit more space to work, it actually is smothering some of the power that we'd like to see. So, you know, overall, I think it's good that it's another type of fight promotion. It's good that they're trying to introduce something new to the sport, but I just don't think it's going to work because it's just not producing what they're trying to promise the boxing fans, and that is more knockouts and more action. There was some good action. I mean, Rosado versus Stevens was a decent fight. Also, the fight with Jesus Soto Cross on the undercard was pretty good. But overall, I think it's a little bit of a disappointment. You see a lot of glitching, and I think they need to make some changes in order to make this a more lasting format. Um, but as I said, it was still something to watch in terms of boxing. It was Saturday night, so I enjoyed that they tried putting it out there again, and I hope that the next installment they do, they try to do a few improvements to it, maybe make the rounds a little bit longer, maybe make the pit a little bit bigger, and maybe we can see more of those knockouts. All right, well, that was this week's Ask Jenna segment. I'd like to thank all the fans that submitted their questions. And, guys, you have no excuses. You heard at the top of the segment. You know how you can be part of On the Ropes. So submit your questions, and you too can be part of the show. All right, well, with that, I'm going to move things now to my final guest of this week's show. He's now making his fifth appearance to On the Ropes Boxing Radio. I'm joined by the WBA welterweight champion, Keith One-Time Thurman. How's things going today, Keith? Everything's good. we got great weather here in the Sunshine State. All right, well, that's good to hear, Keith. And uh, i got to congratulate you. Last time I saw you in the ring, you looked as good as ever. You beat Robert Guerrero definitively over 12 rounds. How would you feel about it? Uh, you know, overall, I feel good, you know. I wanted to make a statement. I wanted to show them that, um, that I could stand there, throw punches, trade, that I came to fight and that I was ready to fight. Um, 
You know, I wasn't scared of Robert Guerrero. I felt like he had nothing for me in the ring, and pretty much on fight night, he brought nothing. Um, you know, he decided to dig deep and show his true um, his true colors in about the 11th and 12th round after being knocked down. So, all in all, it was a good fight. You know, um, the crowd was cheering uh, pretty much after almost every single round of the fight. You know, that made me real happy to know um, that the fans were having a great night that night. Keith, you mentioned his toughness. In the ninth round, you knocked him down pretty significantly. Were you surprised that he was able to recover from that? Uh, no, because, you know, I only caught him with, like, one punch. And the replay, for those who have seen the fight more than once, the replay doesn't even show me actually landing the punch that hurt Guerrero. It was a left hook that I threw right before the double right hand that really is the, the punch that knocked him down. And those, I feel like he would have stayed down if – those right hands that I threw would have uh, connected cleanly, but um, they didn't. He was hurt. He was down on the mat for a little while. He got up, and, uh, you know, he recovered. And then I got right back on him, and I started throwing some heavy punches. And he gets hit, and he takes them, and the bell rings, you know. So, you know, he's a tough dude, most definitely. you got to give him credit. And, Keith, how important do you think it was for the Premier Boxing Champion Series that your fight with Guerrero you know, it was a success that, you know, it wasn't a fight that, you know, fans enjoyed and, and it was, you know, had some action moments in it. How important was it for you for you both to deliver that? You know, I'm not the I'm not the CEO of NBC, you know, so I can't speak on their behalf, but for the most part, I think it's great. You know, they got they got what they wanted, you know, they got what they paid for, which is for um two world class athletes to put on a world class performance and that's what we did, you know. We both pretty much fought our hearts out, you know. I think I think I could have boxed a little smarter. I think I could have fainted more and um, used certain tactics that maybe would have got Guerrero to open up. And I think I could have traded on the inside more and uh, or at least tried to make a few attempts to um, more than I did in the fight. But uh, it, was, it was great, man. Um, I'm looking, I, I was looking forward to the fight. The fight happened. It ended the way that we, you know, we would have liked a KO, but a knockdown, a great performance. You know, I had the headbutt, but I wasn't really injured. So, you know, everything, all in all, it was great. Uh, we got the next show April 11th for PBC on NBC. And hopefully I'll fight sometime this summer, maybe uh, June, July. Now, Keith, your last two fights have gone the distance. You know you knocked both your opponents down in your last fight. Was that disappointing for you at all? I mean, you're you're about the KO. You like to... You know, you have that slogan. Uh, is it disappointing for you that you didn't score kills in those last two? Yeah, it's disappointing, you know, just a little bit. But I try to I try to take what's positive out of it, you know. Each time that I do not get a knockout, I'm getting 12-round experience. And I am a 12-round fighter fighting at the world-class level, and it's good to have that experience, you know. You know, I know I can hurt people. I can knock them out. I might not need all the rounds, but... This is a sport. Boxing is a sport. And um, having, having fights like this that go the distance, they really, at the end of the day, when I, when I get to reflect back on them, I end up having a better understanding of the sport as a whole, what I can and cannot do, and what's expected of me every single round to, uh, to win the fight, you know. So it's all, it's all right, you know. I just, I just talk to myself like this. I tell myself, it's all right, bro. It's all right. You didn't get the knockout. Um, but deep down, you know, that's what I want to do. You know, I know I can hurt people. 
but you got to set it up. You got to be smart about it. I was trying to be smart all night. I wasn't just swinging wildly or anything. But, um, you know, at this stage and this level, you know, we're not fighting tomato cans anymore, and you just got to either be a little smarter or a little bit more aggressive to get those knockouts. Um, you know, but I'm going to hurt people every single time I step in the ring. Uh, I'm going to give you guys some of the most exciting fights in the welterweight division, guaranteed. And, um, you know, look forward to knockouts in the future, you know. Uh, some some of these boys can take my power, but, um, you know, there's a lot of people who can't. So we're just going to keep moving forward. Well, oh, Keith, um, people want to know what's next for you. They want to know what the future lies. For you, who do you want now? I mean, you fought your biggest new opponent in uh, Robert Grill last time out. Who do you want next? Well, first off, I want whoever wants to fight around the same time I want to fight, you know. So I think that's going to be my biggest challenge is getting somebody to fight um, to fight me on my date or the date that I think is um, would be best to step back in the ring. If, if the fight's worth it, I'll wait a little longer to step back into the ring if it's um, – worth the opponent, like a Marcos Maidana, Amir Khan, something of that nature. Um, you know, but I, I'd like to fight anybody. I checked out Ring Magazine yesterday, just like a day ago, and I saw that they got me ranked number five right now. They got Amir Khan, Timothy Bradley, Kel Brook, and, you know, Manny Pacquiao above me right now. So, you know, Manny's fighting Floyd, but I'd fight Timothy Bradley. I'd fight Amir Khan, and I'd fight Kel Brook next. So I know there's fans that probably still wouldn't mind seeing me fight Sean Porter. Uh, Berto just fought and won. There's a lot of fights for me as uh, as a welterweight champ right now. I don't know which one's going to come next. I'm probably going to make the phone call to Heyman this week. Um, I've yet to talk about what's next, so that's why I really don't have no answer for you guys. But um, but we'll see, you know, hopefully something good. All right, well, Keith, you did mention Manny Pacquiao briefly there, and i got to ask you because, you know, you said uh, Floyd Mayweather's last fight didn't interest you. It wasn't exciting. He's now fighting Manny Pacquiao. Do you think that's the kind of fight that would excite you? Do you think that's going to bring something that would be exciting to boxing fans? Of course. This fight is one of the most waited-for fights of all times, you know. Floyd and Manny. Floyd, obviously. Manny has been at the top of the welterweight division for some time now, for years, you know. And Floyd's been on top the whole time. So, I mean, it's, it's just real good for the sport of boxing to see two top contenders go toe-to-toe. I mean, when it comes to boxing, this is like our Super Bowl, you know. This is like, you know, the New York Giants versus San Francisco or somebody, you know. Um, it's just going to be a great event. I mean, I can't wait. I can't wait to get out there. I'm ready to go back to Vegas for this fight. This is going to be a great fight, and I hope I hope to see a great fight when it comes to action from Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather. Oh, you say you hope to see great action. Who are you favoring right now, Keith? You had to pick one guy, put your money on that guy, seeing as you will be in Vegas. Who do you honestly put your money on? The motto is never, don't bet against Floyd, is what a lot of people say. You know, don't ever bet against Floyd. And I wouldn't really bet against him here either, you know. Um... I do believe that Manny has a shot of winning. I think if Manny prepares properly, he has a good chance of winning. But Mayweather's just always smart. He's so smart, and we've never seen him really be uh, dominated before. So, you know, a lot of people don't believe in Santa Claus because they don't see Santa Claus. Well, you know, 
we see the work that Floyd puts in, and it's real. So I got to stick with Mayweather. All right, now, Keith, if one person was to score a knockout in that fight, either or, who would you say is more likely to have scored it, Manny Pacquiao or Floyd Mayweather? That. I'll give that to Manny Pacquiao. Like I said, you got to see it to believe it, you know? And we've seen Man- Manny drop many people, you know, including his last opponent. He dropped him like four to six times in that fight. So Floyd, we haven't seen him get a knockdown or a knockout since Victor Ortiz. So, you know, Floyd talks a lot about his hand problems. You know, I, I think he's going to catch Manny with a lot of nice counters and uh, nice power punches. But I don't know if the weight's going to be behind it to put Manny down. So, um, And I told people before, talking about this fight, don't be surprised if Manny Pacquiao, you know, he might score a knockdown. You know, you got to understand that scoring a knockdown doesn't always mean that the guy was really, 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 really hurt. It just meant that, you know, you caught him at the right time, his feet were a certain way, and the dude fell over when you hit him. That's a knockdown, you know. And I think Manny's going to need a knockdown, not just a knockdown, possibly more than one knockdown to win the fight. I made that statement as well, that uh, Manny Pacquiao needs at least two knockdowns to win the fight. All right, well, Keith, I just got a couple more questions before I let you off the phone. And you mentioned as possible opponents. You did mention the name of Kel Brook. They're talking about Kel coming out around June and July, and there's a lot of interest in actually seeing yourself and him have a unification fight. Um, if you were to meet Kel Brook in the ring, how do you think that would go? That would be the best fight of the year. It would be a great fight, you know. I think Kel's a smart boxer. He's got a um, a real nice right hand. He's got a good jab, and um, I think it'd be a great fight. I don't I don't know much about him, you know. We uh, Kel Brook has just you know been getting um, attraction from the American Eyes site. You know, I've I've been looking at him since he fought Sean Porter. You know, so it's only been two fights since I watched the guy, but I do think he's a real solid contender and a solid champion. Oh, well, Keith, and that's yourself. You know, most people feel that you're the guy that could carry the welterweight division when Pacquiao and Mayweather retire. Do you believe you can be that star to stay in this division and be its champion? Most definitely. Like I said, I guarantee you that I'm going to be, I, even right now with Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather fighting, that my fights are going to be some of the most exciting fights in the welterweight division. You know, um, I look forward to my career. I look forward to what's happening to the sport of boxing. And I can't wait to mix it up again. And, and keep giving you guys great performances here in 2015. All right. Well, in closing, Keith, is there any message you want to pass along to all your fans? Just thank you, everybody, for all your love and support. You know, stay tuned. I'll be um, I'll be fighting sometime this summer. All right. All right. Well, Keith, as always, it's a great pleasure speaking with you. I thank you taking time out of your day to join me, and I uh, wish you all the best of luck going forward in 2015. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, that was Keith Thurman discussing his fight against Robert Guerrero and talking about his future. Um, it's always great to talk to Keith one-time Thurman just because he's one of those guys I've seen rise all the way up from when he was calling out Floyd Mayweather in his first TV fight to this point here. And he's one of the most skilled guys in the division. And he's one of the guys I truly honestly believe can be the future of 147 pounds because he's got the skill set, because he can talk well, um, he has just a lot of the attributes that can make him a future star. In his most recent fight against Robert Guerrero, he showed his toughness. I mean, he had a headbutt that gave him a massive hematoma on his head. He fought through it. He dealt with the fact that Robert Guerrero was coming on late. He knocked down Robert Guerrero's 
I mean, he did an excellent job in the ring in that fight. And, you know, he showed himself to be that star that people say that he could be. Um, you know, he's a guy that I just really want to see get the big fights. And seeing the fact that Amir Khan doesn't want to take a fight with Kell Brook, I really think Keith Thurman and Kell Brook should fight each other. Have a unification fight, you know, and have Keith Thurman face off against a guy that has a lot of international fame that could possibly set up a fight between Thurman and Amir Khan. So, you know, there's a lot of options out there for Keith Thurman. It was great to talk to him about that. It was also great to get his views on Mayweather versus Pacquiao, seeing it's a fight inside his division. And, uh, you know, as I said before, I think Keith Thurman has all the makings of a superstar. And what he showed against Robert Guerrero proves he definitely has that level in his arsenal. And I'm looking forward to seeing him get back in there later in 2015. All right. Well, let's move things now to the upcoming week's fight schedule. And this week for the boxing fans, there is some action out there for you. There are some really good fights, some really good matchups. And it happens with Premier Boxing Champions, the new series created by Al Heyman, because the fights that we have ahead of us are Danny Garcia versus Lamont Peterson at a catch weight of 143 pounds. Say what you want about the catch weight. In reality, this is for the 140-pound championship. Just to prove who's the best 140-pound fighter. Yes, three pounds over the weight class. Yeah, the ring magazine belt's not going to be in the line. Look, whoever wins this is going to be widely regarded by most people as the best 140-pound fighter, the best junior welterweight. Um, Danny Garcia comes in the fight having won by knockout in his last match against Rod Selka. You know, one of those highlight reel knockouts that everyone expected to happen. Uh, Lamont Peterson is coming off a title defense in which he looked very good in. So, you know, both guys have looked good in their previous fights. It sets itself up for a good matchup. The question is, is who's going to win it? Danny Garcia, you know, he's a guy that I think really does struggle to make 140 pounds. You know, it's one of those things where he really has to sweat himself down. So I think it's actually an advantage for him fighting at 143 pounds. Well, Matt Peterson himself, you know, he's a, a big guy for the weight class. I'm sure he has to sweat himself down a lot. Uh, between the both of them, I think Garcia benefits more from it because he's a more powerful puncher. And the thing that would get stepped out of him, he'll actually be able to retain by not having to sweat those final three pounds. So in these two fates, I think the power of Danny Garcia is going to be the biggest difference in the fight. I would not be surprised to see him drop Lamont Peterson one or two times in the match. But Lamont Peterson showing the heart that he has and the toughness that he has, being able to get through it, and Danny Garcia ending up walking away with a decision. Um, you know, I just don't think that's the way the fight's actually going to play out. Um, I mean, there's another scenario in which Lamont Peterson could, you know, outbox Danny Garcia, but I really just don't see that happening particularly here. Uh, like I said, Danny Garcia is a stronger fighter. He's a guy that is honestly the bigger fighter. And I think this is kind of like the last step before Danny Garcia moves up to 147 pounds. So, you know, that's what I expect to happen there. I think it's going to be a good fight, and I think it's a good matchup. Um, also, on the undercard, a really good fight that I'm looking forward to is Peter Kid Chocolate Quillen facing off against Andy Lee for the WBO Middleweight Championship. As many people know, Peter Quillen was the middleweight champion. He gave up the belt instead of facing his mandatory defense. Uh, Andy Lee ended up winning that fight. Now these two face each other to see who the real middleweight champion of the world is. In all honesty, I lean towards Peter Quillen in this fight, mostly because I honestly think he's the better fighter. I think he's the stronger fighter. I think he's a more versatile fighter than Andy Lee. But at the same time, Andy Lee has that punch, that knockout punch that knockout right hand. The one thing Emmanuel Stewart taught him, the equalizer, that one punch that could change everything, Andy Lee has that. 
So, you know, this is a fight that I lean towards Peter Quillen, but my heart is with Andy Lee. I'd love to see him continue this momentum that he had. You know, his last two fights did two comeback wins. He won a title in his last fight. Um, you know, he upset the odds there. I'd love to see him do it one more time. But in reality, I just think Peter Quillen is going to be a little bit too much for him, and I honestly think that Peter Quillen is going to end up winning by knockout somewhere around the seventh or eighth round of the fight. Peter Quillen, he's a strong fighter, very skilled, very powerful, and I think it's going to be a little too much for Andy Lee to handle. But, like I said, you can never count Andy Lee out. I've been wrong before about him, so I hope for the best for Andy Lee in that fight, and I hope for a good fight for the boxing fans this Saturday night. All right, well, that does it for this week's show. I'd like to thank all three of my guests that appeared, uh, Sullivan Barrera, Ronnie Shields, and Keith Thurman. It was a pleasure speaking to all of them. I'd also like to thank our show sponsor, iboboxing.com. Guys, I've said it many times before, make sure you check out their website to get the latest with their rankings, to check out the latest news involving their champions. You can find that at iboboxing.com. And also, too, guys, make sure you check out our website, www.ontheropesboxing.com. You'll catch all of our latest radio show podcasts, latest interview articles, latest news, everything to do with On The Ropes Boxing Radio. You will find it there. And, uh, guys, just hope you enjoy the fight weekend, and I'll catch you next time.